Welcome back to The Popular Parallax, a sci-fi limited series podcast hosted by our guest for this series, Milo Davinas, and me, Jerrica Lala. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Popular Parallax. And now... Join us on a nine-episode escapade through the epidemic-ridden hellscape of The Last of Us. And we're back! (laughs) So It's almost like no time has gone by at all. God, Um, it's good to see your face again, Jared. (laughs) You too, Milo. Um, So, uh, we are back for episode two of the last of us which was a much more reasonable length of time like an hour or a bit less this episode i knew we were doing a podcast and i took much better notes (laughs) (laughs) i won't be freeforming this totally um so you know we we've just gotten out of episode one we have this mysterious little girl that's being like held in a room against her will by these like you know, freedom fighter slash maybe a bit terroristy. Mm-hmm. We're not sure what their deal is, right? Right. They want to end the, like the oppression of these cops and these quarantine zones. But my question is, what they want to replace it with is a right. little mysterious because the world is totally out of control. So I don't know. So our episode two starts in Jakarta. Uh-huh. These poor other countries, like, I love how America's like, oh, it would never happen here. Like, it had to be in some form. Because I was just like, oh, it's going to happen there, guys. It is going to happen there. I got news for you. But let's just say, <laughs> at least it wasn't China. Because I was like, if you guys do this, yes, do not do it. But they didn't. I did have that thought. I was like, okay, we're doing an East Asian country. Isn't that a little... I would have changed it. I'm I'm not even joking. I would have changed it. I would have changed it to Russia. Make that yeah. a bad guy. Like <laughs> they're doing they're being the bad guy right now anyway. Just do it. But your point stands, right? Like Americans just can't conceive of anything like that happening in their own backyard when so many awful things already happen in their terrible, own backyard. Terrible. Terrible shit. I know. Yeah. Like I, I don't understand like that I know that mentality. I did sort of eye roll a little bit when they were like Jakarta, and I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was just like, "Come on, don't, don't re-energize Americans watching this to be like, yeah, stupid Asia." Like that, I was kind of thinking that they they tried to do it as nicely as they could. Like they, you know, they had them know what they were doing when they were looking at it and stuff. What happens is there's this this cafe in Jakarta, mm-hmm. and this very nice like older lady is enjoying her just a lunch mm-hmm. at a cafe state police come in looking for her mm-hmm. and literally just take her and put her in their car and she's just like am i what am i under arrest and they this is all in their language and they're like no we really need you to look at something cuz she's some professor of Mycology, yeah. Mycology, so not even disease. Mycology is a different thing, but this is not a human illness. That's what we have. Like it's, it's something we didn't think was possible, but it's uh, happening. I loved this cold opening, even more than the first episode. Oh yeah. This 
was really we talked about in the last episode how haunting so much of the the just the real world implications of this is and as much as i loved the talk show moment in the 60s this whole oh good god I when know. she it's so upsetting so upsetting and like talk about something that stayed with me after the episode i'm still thinking about it like all the time the fact, like when she's weeping at the end but like that that sort of mix of strength and horror and and devastation where she's just yeah. like she knows what has to she, be done she knows yeah she, she sees knows. it all and it just that that tear and when she's like i would like to be with my family oh just i mean there's going to be a lot of these moments i feel in the show yeah. but that was just a punch in the face i like too they like they they're hiring these people who are kind of like nomad nobody actors who might be stage actors in their you know in Jakarta who knows where they're from but Mm -hmm. they they sold me on them speaking that as their own language I don't know if that's real or not well I think they went to Indonesia for it yeah yeah but I'm also just like where are they finding these people like she was too legit to quit you know what I mean like she seemed real and she even like she was not glamorous she was just this like regular older lady and what they they put her in like a hazmat and mm-hmm. have her go in and look at this corpse. Yeah. Who we think is one of the first, well, not the first, well, but the first yeah. person they've found who has this. And she was working in like a grain and flour factory. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that's perfect for this. And I'm like, okay. But <laughs> she she becomes violent suddenly, like really violent. And they have to lock her in a bathroom and they call the cops and they have to, and they finally had to shoot her. Mm-hmm. They killed this woman. They murdered her because mm-hmm. they didn't know it. She, I guess she was just going nuts. They bring her into this lab, and this poor lady is looking at her, and she, she, she's pointed out to this thing on her leg, which is like a bite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she looks into the mouth, and there's these spores coming out, which is absolutely revolting. Even though she's yeah. supposed to be dead, there's this stuff moving. Mm-hmm. And so she backs off. She leaves, and she she seems to sort of get a gist of it right away, because they also pre this they had her look into a like a microscope, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Why did you prepare it this way if it's a human thing?" And they're like, "This is a human thing." And she's like, yeah. "Huh?" And then she looks at this corpse, and that's when because they were like, "Well, we need to talk to you about a vaccine or a thing," and she was like, "Oh no, no, there's." There's no vaccine. Yeah. There's no medicine. And when the cops say, what should we do? And she just poor when she says, bomb the shit. Yeah. You've got to kill this city and everybody in it. That's all we can do. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they don't know who bit this lady. Mm -hmm. So patient zero is still out there running around. And my question, like, is I'm, I am not a doctor by any means. I've just experienced a lot of medical stuff in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So some of this I do find pretty far out there, obviously. Sure. But I'm also just like, like the fact that they can't find, like I keep just going, what is causing this? Like who, how did this, where did this actually fester and start? Mm-hmm. Like, was it in a wet market? Like what? But it's yeah. kind of like there is this flour and flour and yeast factory like the wet market of covid like what is going on you know what i mean and i'm hoping we get more of that later because that really interests me yeah it's like how did this start exactly 
And I know we sort of got warned this can ha- this is going to happen if things warm up, but we still don't know what lit the match. It's, yeah, it's insane. When she said, like, or what, what she asked, how many missing employees from the factory are there? And they, or have, have there been any other missing? And he said 14. And at first you're like, good Lord, how do you miss 14 people with spores growing out of their mouth, biting everybody? But that sort of, it, it it just adds to that dreadful haunting thing that, you know, when they say when you've got cockroaches in an apartment and you can see the cockroaches, that already means there's millions of them in the walls. Same idea. By the time exactly. people Bingo. are biting each other, it's already gone nuts. Yeah. The uh, Yeah, it was so incredible. The actress's name, I just looked it up. Her name is Christine Hakim. So good work for you, Christine. Yeah, nice gone. Because um, she sold it so well. And in zombie fiction, you know, or zombie properties, you get this sort of, not cliche, but they're, they're a way of doing things. There's a way of approaching the dread and the unfolding of all this sort of stuff. And so it's really a testament when a show can still make that so horrifying. And even though I watched my fair share of zombie things, I was still just like, waiting on the edge of my seat for for you know when the first spores came out of the mouth and when she said those lines about about it being prepared in such a strange way and it's a human sample and even yeah, that moment cordyceps after, cordyceps yeah, the, the cordyceps fungus yeah. like even that moment when she, the and the way her hand shook when she had the the tea in her hand, but then she steadied herself like, ugh, it was so well done. I'm yeah. so happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on her and good on the director. I gotta exactly. I gotta say as a director, I'm like, nice job. Yeah, yeah. That's helping them without interfering with what they're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So after that, and we never find out if they did bomb Jakarta or not. Right. But if they did, they waited too long because that shit is everywhere. Like it's it's already, you know, and it may have happened in other places. I mean, Jakarta isn't the only place that has flower mills. Like, it could have happened other places. We just yeah. get to see Jakarta because East Asia, you know. Yeah, we're, we're trying to hit that note. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Well, and what was it? What, at one point in the episode, it was because they pass by that open pit in boston tess pardon me the character's name is tess yes tess, they're walking by it and they they see the bomb and um i think ellie asks is this where the bomb went off and tess said it worked in boston but it didn't work in other cities so that is a really interesting nuance to it too yeah. like there are versions of this story in universe playing out in vastly different ways all across the globe and we're so used to seeing things through the american perspective but i just Immediately, my mind runs with like, what's happening, you know, in Toronto over here, or yeah. what's happening, you know, in Moscow, what's happening in Nairobi, like, yeah, just the different ways all of these things play out, really just, your mind goes nuts, and you don't get to stop and explore it, right? You keep going. You just keep going. Yeah. Well, my question, too, is I'm like, it didn't work, though. They're yeah. all over the fucking place. Like, what do you mean it worked here? But she's still it, saying that, like, present, it worked. Oh, this worked here, just not in other places. I'm like, so does that mean everybody died in other places? Yeah. Well, this is, if this is what working looks like, good God. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But, mm-hmm. but, and the thing is, too, it's like, how do you pinpoint these bombs so that 
innocent people don't die and just the the infected do you can't exactly so some places i think have just been blown to smithereens and either everyone died or all that remained was people with the disease here and there in little patches mm. yeah. so that's a failure and maybe here it kind of worked because mm -hmm. there's still a lot of human beings walking around but there's a lot of the other guys too yeah success is very relative exactly yeah i think that's part of it too you're just like wow their standard yeah of living is not good so we have this little girl mm -hmm. and we find out that the fireflies need to get her to a certain meeting spot in the open city so outside this quarantine zone and and joel and tess are smugglers and they're like you know if you guys do this you're gonna get the battery you want the truck or whatever whatever they need i'm getting lost on that shit too because i'm like wait now it's broken now they need it now they need it. i don't know what's going on but they need they want to find joel's brother who we met in the first episode but now he's just persona non grata. we don't know what has happened to him he's gone away and he hasn't come back because he was also smuggling i think yeah they, i think they said in the first episode he was on a run of some yeah kind. probably yeah. a drug run yeah tess is is kind of down for it and joel is just like <laughs> whatever he says he's he's not a fun guy like <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah he's not coming to parties and not he's not fun he's not i should say he's not like a male like abusive like you know what i mean but he's just really really unhappy yes you do see in a lot of not just zombie media, but I guess any kind of tough situation style dramas that there tends to be this emphasis on like the super gruff, super unpleasant grump who, yeah. and that's sort of like the natural outcome of any kind of post-apocalyptic situation. People just, there's no room for smiles and fun and joy, especially- of course in the men who are wandering around and yeah i don't know maybe i'm speaking naively as as someone who's never been through an apocalypse but um well i feel like she's the person of action because she is also not a fun guy she's yeah. a she's a grim but, but she's like listen fucker, we're gonna fucking do this like you do this and you don't do that don't go up to this guy with your clint eastwood shit because he's scared to death of you and you're gonna you know what i mean like, and he obeys yeah. her yeah, yeah. So I I like that. <laughs> like I because that is a change because usually these guys are like, oh, fuck everybody, I'm gonna just do it. They do something stupid. Yeah. Because they don't have a woman telling them what to do. So <laughs> I'm worried about the future. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, at least he's got he's still got a little woman. But um Yeah. So they finally come to some kind of agreement. The the kid is not happy about it. Nope. <laughs> she's like, I'm getting thrown from these strangers to these other strangers who seem pretty dodgy. Mm -hmm. And I have to trust them to get me to this meeting spot. So that's where the, and they take her and they start going. Mm -hmm. And the first part of the trip is pretty rough. This is where old Joel beats a guy to death because they get caught. Yep. yep. And he, he kills the guy. Yep. He literally just kills the guy by picturing him as the cop that killed his daughter. Which yeah. he's not because he's way too young. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's that trauma left over. And I mean, I guess it's not surprising to see it play out in such a, a way. Yeah. Um, but, he's but, I, but he's using it. He's using it to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's just involuntary. I think this is a method. 
Right. Yeah, a, a good uh, bit of fuel to do less than moral acts in the name of survival. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting, right, that we get to see some repercussion in that with his hand. Like, they have that moment in the buildings at the start of episode two where he's sort of looking at the possibly broken, possibly fractured wrist. And so often you see these acts of violence in these stories that don't really play into the plot. It's not like there can There's be... There's no like, consequence of any kind, physical or mental. Yeah, or they're anything. just sort of like yeah. brushed off. And it comes into, like, I mean, the fact that they spent some time looking at it alone through the lens of the camera is in and of itself cool. And then the fact that it actually comes into play in a few scenes later when they're in really hot water. I mean, I, I'm not sure what if this was exactly what they were trying to go for. But to me, my interpretation was very much like we're actually getting to see some of the consequences of that trauma and those actions that aren't exactly moral and are quite violent really like have an effect on the storyline. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it disturbs the kid. Mm -hmm. She covers it up because she's a tough guy too. Yeah. But you can, she's, she's unsettled. By that, and I mean for good reason. Yeah, you don't often see somebody kill another person with their bare hands, like yeah. just you know what I mean. Like he goes to town on that guy and beats him to a pulp, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I thought that uh, oh, and they they do find out. I think we can say that this this girl, this fourteen year old girl, has a healed bite mark on her arm. Mm-hmm. And they find out that they're moving her to this place to meet these fireflies because they think she's the the hope mm-hmm. for a vaccine. And when Joel hears this, he almost gags. He's just like, like, yeah, we've heard all this before. You're the miracle child and all this. He's just worried. He's like, great. She is infected. Yeah. Like she's infected. He holds up. I think they hold up a guns to her and stuff. They're just like, whoa, whoa. Oh, he's ready to shoot her. Yeah. Right oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the woman has to say, take it easy. Like, let's just, you know, and he's like, whoa, like he's just not, not down. Yeah. So she's the, she's the miracle child. And I mean, I understand why someone like that would be skeptic on the one hand, but it seems it would, well, I guess I wouldn't say foolish because, you know, these people are living through 20 years worth of apocalypse. Yeah. What's hope got to do with it? But at the same time, you know, you're sort of seeing that evidence right there and Tess it she's not blindly accepting of it but she's also not completely eradicating the potential yeah. of it being a good thing well and they so. notice the scar doesn't change overnight like it it's not like it gets more angry it's just there it's just there it looks like a vein or something it doesn't look like anything so mm-hmm. they're like well it's not progressing yeah like it's not changing so she seems like she's probably okay mm-hmm Right. And if not, we'll have to shoot her. But, you know, yeah. if she goes wild. <laughs> yeah. But I I did think that the whole the whole production value of the open city was was just incredible. Incredible. Like it that's was... that scene on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. It looks so real. It looks a hundred percent real, even though I know it isn't. You know, they shot this in Alberta. Well, I was about to mention, so fun behind the scenes tidbit for me is that 
I'm, I was born and raised in Toronto, but I did my undergraduate degree in Edmonton right. and Alberta, like Calgary, Edmonton and Canmore were all used as the locations for this sort of thing. And these scenes taking place in Boston are all set in Edmonton. So I've experienced this watching productions that have been shot in Toronto before where, you know, it's supposed to be an American city somewhere, but you're like, oh, that's the place around the corner from my house. But this is the first time I'm experiencing it from a different city in that I have familiarity with. And so especially the scenes that take place in that dome and sort of neoclassical building, that's the Alberta Provincial Legislature building. I thought it probably was. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's never looked better. I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's (laughs) It's like a piece of shit. (laughs) It's so funny because I mentioned it all because never looked better. (laughs) Never looked better. Those vines, they should add them full time. It's pretty. There's been a lot of CGI and a lot of green screen put up, of course, but it looks spectacular. And so even though I can pick out little bits that remind me of my university days when I would be in that area, it's just so incredible how much it's been transformed through the CGI, of course, but also through just the real physical staging things that they put. You put a little bit of dried grass in the corner, goes miles in terms of... Yeah, yeah, like over the cars and stuff like that. Exactly. All so these beat-up cars with just grass growing out of them. And yeah, it's 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 yeah. very, very creepy. Mm-hmm. Is this empty city, but once in a while you hear something and you're like, fuck's that you know what i mean like it's really nerve-wracking when they're going over that bridge because i'm like if something comes out they're like where are they supposed to go they're on a bridge yeah like there's nowhere to escape to unless you just jump and die exactly and you become so aware of how a city can be so labyrinthine and so frightened like there's so very many places where something dangerous can come jumping out at you and especially in an apocalyptic setting when, you know, buildings are falling over and roads are caving in and cars are piled everywhere. Like, if you're not familiar with an area in particular, even if you were, who knows, two days ago, you could have walked through a clear path. They encountered this in the storyline, right? They do. This path was open the last time we came through and now it's blocked and now we've got to explore in the unknown. Because yeah. buildings keep falling in on it themselves. That's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And I that so then we get to the museum, horrifying museum. Well, first, well, first they got it had to go through a hotel. Mm-hmm. And this, see again, I find that there's wafts where I forget about it, and then I get a huge game waft because I was like, you can't tell me that hotel lobby isn't like a level in this game. Oh yeah. Like I felt like they were game playing getting through that hotel lobby like oh I have to go through water. Well yes stupid but it's not deep or what but I bet you have to find that out. Exactly. On Twitter you can find under the hashtag for the last of us several people have started doing this where they put side by sides of the scenes from the game and the scenes right. from the show and right. the hotel lobby. It's not an exact copy but it's it's in the game. And yeah, right. I, it reeked of gameplay to me. Like, I was just like, guys, come on. But it was still fun because the actors are fun. Like, it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. But that's when when some of these times you get into things like, let's go into this room. Let's go into this room. And that's when it starts to feel like a game again to me. Uh-huh. When they, You know what I mean? But then they get through this hotel. 
a, a, a skeleton jumps out of the poor kid. She's just like, ah, shit. Like she, <laughs> another tough. dead body. Yeah, oh, kids, this kid's seen a lot of corpses, and I mean, at least this one was just a human corpse. At least this one was dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But where they look over that view, I think they're in the museum at the top of the museum, and they look down, and you see all these creatures in those row houses they've just Mm -hmm. taken over and they're at first it doesn't look like anything it looks like piles of dirt or something and then you realize they're sort of moving Mm -hmm. crawling and i was just like like that was that was bile rising to me that was so gross yeah it's it just nasty nasty like and they're like connected by vines or so like they they sense each other and other stuff in the in the ground or in their in their these roots that they have or something yeah it was a cool but freaky application of that sort of element of fungi now i don't understand the science behind it very well myself it's because it's made up (laughs) it's 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 because it's made up well, I thought it was something. So recently, and again, I have to pull out the paper again and reread oh, it. God. It was something about how trees in forests yes. communicate with each other yes. through a network of fungi in their roots. Yes. And I'm That's sure- what they're taking from, for sure. Exactly. So I, I instantly recognized that. Now, I'm not sure if other funguses do it or whatever, but, you know, I thought that's a really interesting. It's so cool because, again, you get zombies. You get them as walking dead bodies. Sometimes we get an explanation of what it is. Sometimes we don't. It's usually some sort of, I don't know, like unnamed generic virus or witchcraft or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And even though I know a lot of this is a stretch for what funguses actually do and such, I still think it's cool that they've added all of these extra pseudo-scientific let's say details yeah. to it it's something you don't see with a lot of zombie stuff because the more you can base it in some kind of reality the scarier it is that's that's why you don't want to make it just magic that this you want you want there to be a scientific reason so people go could this happen like <laughs> you know what i mean i also was fascinated when they have the the joel character say you know some people get this and they last like a month some people mm-hmm. walking around with this for 20 years, meaning that's the people whose heads are so far split and they're unrecognizable as you. Those poor creatures have been living with this for God knows how long. And that just made me even sicker watching. I was just like, these poor people that aren't people, but they are like, it's horrible. You're just like, how much do they comprehend of what's going on? Like, it, it's terrible. It's awful. Exactly. I did some research after this episode. Research. I did some casually looking up of the game lore when this episode was done. Because the clickers were obviously different from what we've sort of seen the first round of zombies looking like. Yeah. Uh, So I was very interested. And I I remember reading or seeing something about that from the original game a couple years ago. About different... I don't know, zombie casts or species or whatever you want to call them. And so I looked into it and there are, there are four sort of general stages and each of them represents a certain amount of time that the person has been infected. But they were talking about the early stages of infection, the people still being present and resisting the fungal infection 
even though they can't fully override it, they're still trying to combat it in a certain way. There's a struggle. And that's, again, something you don't see in a lot of zombie media. It's they're dead. Yeah. They're monsters. Brain dead. But these zombies are going to still have parts of their humanity intact, even when they've been infected for years. And that is something we usually sweep under the rug, the humanity of the person they once were. And I think Ellie asks in this episode, does it ever bother you? to think that these were human beings once. And I think that question might come up in other zombie universes, but here where we know that the zombies still have human consciousness intact to some degree and it erodes slowly so they're aware of themselves being taken over. Again, so horrifying, so sad in these moments, just watching. And even when they're attacking and you're frightened and they've got huge mushrooms growing out of where their eyes once were. There's still like some little itty bitty bit of who they once were inside there. Yeah. Witnessing their bodies doing this. Oof, that's horror. That's yeah. 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 The show takes several horrifying turns. This, this episode, I mean, the whole museum sequence, that's why, you know, Joel going in, he's tapping on these roots. He's like, dusty dead as a doornail and you're like great like you just you know you know you're like they're fucked Mm -hmm. and sure enough they run into trouble in the museum both of the women Mm -hmm. are bit yeah ellie gets a little bite in the i like she's just like oh for fuck's sake she's just like well i guess if it happened it had to happen to one of us yeah right and it starts to heal pretty quick it's like a little cut Mm -hmm. it's like nothing but then we find out poor old Tess and she's trying to hide it at first, but she's getting real snippy. Mm-hmm. Like she's already changing. You can, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And it's the little girl that, well, the young lady that mm-hmm. says, she says she's infected. She's infected. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, she is. And she has to just say, you know, take them to where, take her to where she needs to go. I'm going to stay in here and attract all of these monsters that are going to be coming because they can sense them. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. She pours gas all over the place. She's gonna light a match and blow the shit up. Yeah, it's such a, a devastating moment, and again, one that we don't get to see a lot in other zombie media. Like the fact that we have time with Tess, where she processes what's she's happening waiting. to her. She's waiting to die. Yeah, exactly. And she she's got this mission, and she also knows you know, Joel's mindset is going to go through it when he finds out she's not going to be with him. She's got to find a way to convince him to care about this, even though he's already said that he doesn't believe it and that she's also processing her own mortality. It's great. There's so much, it's such a beautiful, nuanced, dramatic element of the human psyche. And we actually get to see it play out so well in this kind of stuff. So And then she has her kiss of death moment in that bombing. I found that a little extraneous for me. It reminded me of, you know, H.G. Geiger, the Swiss artist who designed the alien alien. I do. Yeah. And that's sort of how he made the the tongue and all of the acts of them laying the eggs in the bodies about penetration because it was meant to be disturbing. It's violation. Exactly. And so I got accents of that when they kissed. Well, it's not a kiss, but, you know, when they they did the poor transfer. But then I was also thinking after I had read about the um, 
the the intact human mind in a lot of the infected that maybe there was some sort of like vague recognition of the infected person of this like open mouth kiss thing which made yeah. it even more disturbing and then seeing Tess sort of accept it as a kiss of death it was it was it was gross well she couldn't get the damn lighter to go that was that's how they got you on the edge of your seat yet she couldn't get the lighter to start up and you were like oh my god oh my god oh my god we waited till the last second and finally as she's getting this horrific transfer of fungal going into her mouth she gets it she blows it up she gets it yeah just a perfect storm of disturbing and tense and like grotesque grotesque and sad oh it was it was really i i felt like the episode ended so suddenly especially when you compare it to the first episode and its runtime this felt i was like what it's over which i, I think is a good sign i for- think that's good <laughs> i was like this cannot be as long as the first one <laughs> we got to get this going and they they did so now we're left with just joel and just ellie mm-hmm which is the only way Pedro works. It's him and a baby. That's it. That's all mm-hmm. he refuses otherwise. Yep. He's just like, that's how Pedro works. In every contract. Tiny yeah, person yeah. and me. Yeah, tiny person <laughs> and me. So they, they, now they're, le- they're left on their own to go on. The, and, and he has to complete this mission because the fireflies are all dead mm-hmm. when they had gotten there. Yep. That's how the whole thing starts like that's the building she blows up was their contact building which i think is supposed to be the boston like their parliamentary yeah some sort of a fancy government building or yeah. whatever first time i'd seen inside the alberta legislature even though so I there, you, well there you go there you go uh, my tour uh, in finally now we've got this odd couple left exactly and i'm excited for next week because we're going to get some gays in the apocalypse <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know too much about their backstory, and I haven't, you know, read any spoilers or anything, but I know Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett are guest starring next week as the gays of the... um, Of the game. Of the game. And I know their story is being expanded a bit because apparently it's not, it's only just a moment in the game itself. But I, as a queer person, am very excited to see this because I often find that we don't see a lot of queer stories. Thrown. No, of course, no, you don't. Exactly. You don't. Yeah. It's also very cishet when we do apocalypses. And even if they're just guest stars for one episode, I'm super jazzed. Yeah, so it's still I'm, something, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. I'm very much looking forward to next week. Even if the gays weren't there, I probably would have. But I am I feel like it's going to be a very special episode. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> Threesome. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Here I come, boy. I, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they're as cranky as uh, as the straight guy, or if they're they probably will be. I. Why do I feel like they're going to be kind of scary guys too? I think there's going to be a gruffness to them all, yeah. but you know, gruff yeah. needs some tender too. So. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, thanks for joining me once again. Oh, we did a double. Problem. One and then two. That's how we like to just push them out. Exactly. And we're going to be back here next week and it's going to be just as jolly. For episode three. Episode three. What will happen? Gays. Yeah. Zombies. <laughs> Ellie's, Ellie. Well, you said Ellie's a little gay. Yeah, so that's the other Literally thing. Literally a small gay. A tiny gay. But still, 
Just a oh. wee gay there. Yes, it's yeah. a gay, it's a very gay show, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it should be. It's mm-hmm. like after Game of Thrones, this better be gay. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I need those mushrooms come in all sorts of colors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, thank you so much again, Milo. We will My see pleasure. you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Popular Parallax Limited Series Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Popular Parallax. Episode produced by Anne Meehan, theme song by Ken Chamberlain. We'll see you next time. And remember... Daddy is a state of mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm your daddy.